Good day, happy people. It's me, Essie Love, returning back um, to another episode on For the Love of Mustard podcast. I hope that everybody that's listening is well, that you've had a great week. Um, If it's been busy, I still hope that you could say that it was a great week. If it's been a chillaxing kind of a week, I hope that you could say it was a great week. You know, if you've had the best of both worlds, and I hope that you could say it was a great week. It was a wonderful week. Um, Hopefully you shared much of yourselves with people and shared the love and and just the happiness. The season is great. And so um, even in the midst of our own personal isms, you know, hopefully you could still share and still um, say that you had a wonderful week and that, you know, it's, it's good to just be able to be thankful for the things that you do have and and for the places that you are you know you've been and and where you are in your life right now so find the silver lining is what I'm getting at um so I am back I'm very very happy to be back um this is um another episode in the covenants and contracts we're still in the God's law section um I have a I had a great week I as always it was busy I mean there's nothing new um but I I did I had a wonderful week and being able to kind of reflect and going back and just enjoying every day as best as I can, even with the personal issues and even with the, um, you know, the, I'd say the surprising moments that you, or moments that kind of catch you off guard or kind of the detours in your journey in your life. I still and really being intentional about, I try to be very intentional about giving God his his glory and thanking and praising him regardless of the things that come up. I've had a few moments where I kind of, kind of got a little, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A little Tasmanian devilish <laughs> with my attitude of mouth, but I bring it back, you know, to center, you know, ask God for forgiveness and, um, try to go back and take his word and apply it and instill it in areas that it needs to be instilled. So, which is every area. So, um, you know, my week was, like I said, very colorful, but very, very good. And I'm very glad to be back. Um, so, wow, where do we start? Um, a little bit of a recap from last week. But before I do all that, um, you know, I want to remind you that I am on a mission, right? I'm on a mission to share this wonderful, creative, unique, just beautiful way of sharing God through mission, legal law in a nutshell. I'm on a mission to share God through the law. And it's through advocacy. It's it's through many different um, ways of sharing him, you know, eating, right? <laughs> Educating, empowering, advocating, and teaching. So I just remember that. And I always want to, you know, just kind of put that out there that this is my purpose and goal of being on here. Um, I know that when I, I'm speaking, I'm not speaking just to believers, you know, in, in Christ. I'm speaking to people that don't believe, maybe that don't believe in God at all. So if you're listening, I do appreciate you for listening. I do appreciate you for coming back because I really hope that in what I'm, I'm teaching and what I'm sharing, that it's, it's some kind of light that it's, it's going to be a light to you in some magnificent, fantastic way. Um, and that you'd be willing to even search your heart, even search, you know, the word, even as believers to to search the word continuously. I mean, just because you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God does not mean that you are walking it out. That does not mean that, you know, I mean, I could attest to that. There's a, took me a long time to get to a place where I wanted to walk it out and apply it. And for, for the word and for God to become relevant in my life today, not relevant back 3000 plus years ago. And as I read the Bible, I want to, I want God to be relevant in my life. Like 
now and his words to still be relevant today. And, and I, what I found is that it is. Um, what I've also found is that, that he is in everything, including the law. So this is, again, you know, just purpose, just goal is that I'm sharing God in this unique way that he's given me um, to remind myself, maybe even too, and to, to share with people that he's in everything. He's in absolutely everything. So I'm changing perspective. Right? And my goal is to change perspective one law at a time. And that's what we're here to do. So what I'm here to do, I do not have any special guests on today. It's just going to be me. Um which is hopefully going to be okay. And um, I do have something to, re- to share with you guys of something that God shared with me about last week and about the, um, the, the podcast, what we were talking about with um, Covenant. So I'm really excited to share that with you because he spoke it to me this, this week, this actually, well, the beginning of the week, he spoke it to me and shared it with me. And I, of course, I have to share it with you. So let me start off with a prayer and then we'll do a little, um, then I'll share with you what he shared with me and then recap and we'll go into our new concept. Um, and then we'll kind of go through where I've been trying to get to for the longest is the Edenic covenant. And then we'll close out from there. Okay. All right. So Lord, I thank you right now that I'm back on here. I'm back on this podcast. I'm really excited to, you know, share, you know, with, with everyone, your word and how you have created the laws that we, you know, that we using our in our US laws today. I'm so thankful that God you've given me this opportunity to share this, to learn it and to apply it. And God, I ask that as we go through your word today, as we go through um what you created, that Lord, that something will something will ignite on the inside of us, that something will ignite us to want to um have a zeal for going through and learning more about covenants and your covenants and how those covenants play a part in our life. I, I ask that, you know, we just have a mind and just an open heart and open mind to receive what you have given me to share with the people today. And that I do, and I do share what you've given me with, with all enthusiasm, God, with, with every fiber of my being and to share it the way you have given it to me to share and not, not having me kind of, take control of it in such a way that I'm misused, I'm misinterpreting um, your word and misinterpreting what we should learn. So help me to do it with, with the grace and, um, and just the love and, and having everything and what you have intended for it to be, having it be what it's supposed to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, guys. So here's, here's what God shared with me. You know, last week I was when I had Patrick on as a guest, my hubby, Patrick, um, I was going through like elements again, you know, and going through, okay, covenants and elements speaking, you know, we have promise and agreement and we were going through, I don't know if you remember, um, where God was making a covenant about, you know, what he was giving to Adam and before, and it was Genesis 28 through 30. I think that's where I was. And I was asking Patrick, you know, well, did the agreement happen prior to God making a covenant? Did he have to agree before the covenant was made and before the covenant was, you know, basically done? And I kept asking and though Patrick, you know, he kind of saw it differently, which was fine. But I was I was approaching it in the sense of how the law approaches it. You know, when you're talking about contracts and there are elements and 
conjunctively, you know, elements either need to be met conjunctively or disjunctively. And so I was teaching you guys that, again, just from the standpoint of this is how it works when you are trying to prove something, right? When you're trying to prove your case. Um, And so although I was, it was, I was sharing that with you guys and I was sh- and was asking Patrick just so we can kind of get in the mindset of this is how contracts work, but we're looking at it from the covenant perspective. God shared with me that I we cannot approach or dissect God's laws with the same worldview or from the same vantage point as we would we would federal and state laws. So though the federal and state laws, you know, that are, you know, you know, established though they're established and though when you know when we go through contracts and you see that in order for a contract to be enforceable you have to have an offer you have to have acceptance and you have to have consideration if you don't have those three elements and you break those down and you make sure that you have those elements then there is not an you don't have an enforceable contract that's what the federal law says and at least in North Carolina that's what the North Carolina state law says right well God was saying to me and he's very clearly said you cannot approach my word and my covenant the same way you approach the worldview the same way you would approach a federal and state laws um you know remembering that god's laws created these laws and you know god's word and his laws were very simple are very simple not were not past tense well they were and they still presently are simple they're not complicated um there's no gray area when you are talking about god's laws it's black or white. And that contradicts the law, the legal system, lawyers, law school. That con- That's contradictory within itself because in law school you learn, well, you know, the law lives in the gray. Well, the law that we operate from here in our, in, in our worldview lives in the gray. And, and, and that's the, re- the reason is because we're complicated and complex individuals. We, we create things that intentionally almost intentionally cause it to be in the gray because we write ambiguous laws we write very over broad and over art you know like our laws are broad they're not specific and we'll learn that later but and and why is that you know why do we write ambiguously but god didn't like he what his yes was his yes and his no was his no you know his what when he said something it was clear it didn't need to be and when he says what he says even to us now like he said to me when he was revealing to me my laws are not hard my laws are not complicated my laws are simple they're clear the world's view the way that we look at it from the the standpoint that we're in in the natural world Unfortunately, they have recreated very hard, arduous, um, you know, laws for whatever reason, you know, it's really, God only knows. So he, he needed me, I, I needed to understand that as I was trying to, again, approach it on the last podcast. And I'm very thankful that God had to, you know, kind of bring me back to the beginning to say, remember, this is, this is learning it in a simple way the most simple fashion ever. The law is not hard. Even our natural laws are not hard. You know, when I was in law school, I kept saying to myself, like, the more I do this, the more I understand, like, law is not hard. What makes it hard are the people that either A, want to be really super smart and want to make, want to, you know, beat people in the head and the brains that they are so smart and they're so brilliant. They want to make it hard. Professors sometimes make it so hard because it's like, 
it's almost like you have to go through this rite of passage, right? You, you're not good enough to be considered into my profession until I feel like, remember, now, now people are getting involved. I feel like you are worthy enough. No. And that was one thing that I could remember back in law school was like, you've got to be freaking kidding me. It's already hard to learn a new language. It's already hard that we have to write in a new language because, you know, you're learning a new way of thinking and you're learning a new way of writing. Why in God's green earth do you feel the need to make it hard? I cannot tell you how many times I said that to myself. And sometimes I said it to professors and sometimes I said it to, you know, other colleagues and students like, why is this so Whatever the case is, I kept, I always kept asking that question and, and God had to bring me back to that. Remember when the law is not hard. No, it's not hard at all. And the purpose of one of the purposes of mission legal is to teach this, to teach the laws in which, first of all, were created and started from the very beginning of time when God created the world. Okay. To teach it from a simple, not simple minded, not stupid, not dumb. No, the simple way of when it was created, the, the way that actually um, that is palatable to you as a person, as an individual, as a, on a everyday living, real people, practical living. This is the I think the simplest and most practical way as I have learned it to share with you of how it should be, not how other people want to create it and recreate it and reestablish it. No, that's not what it's supposed to be. So I share all that with you to say that's what God shared with me. Make you're making it hard, and that's not what we want. What I want is for them to learn it in the simple fashion, the same way I gave it to you. So, with that said, that is exactly how I'm going to approach you know, mission legal today. That's how I'm going to approach what we learn today, what we learn tomorrow, what we learn next week, and that's exactly how I'm going to approach it. And I'm going to remember that because I, I even found myself as I was recapping and going through. I haven't found it becoming a little bit, you know, complex. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be this hard. You know what? Honestly speaking, when you speak of covenant, a covenant is a promise. And that is that. No offense or buts. It's a promise. You make the promise either expressly. You can also imply it. And though the words express and imply are not in the Bible or they were not in Genesis 1:28, and he said, I expressly, well, no, we know the definition of express is to be able to say something, right? To write something that's express, right? So yes, God spoke out of his mouth. That was an express promise that he made. And we'll find that Adam, we found that Adam, you know, didn't speak back and said, okay, thanks. You know, so he didn't accept his um, covenant. Now he doesn't even have to accept it, which leads me to my next revelation. Um, not revelation of what God revealed to me about covenant and about agreement. Because I kept asking Patrick last week, you know, well, when he, he made a comment about, well, I thought the way in his line of thinking, well, there was in a sense an agreement when God made the covenant. And I wrestled with that a little bit. But only because God had to make it clear and he made it so clear and said to me, as clear as I'm saying this to you guys, when a covenant is made, there's an automatic acceptance of that promise. So, for instance, God said to Adam, he said to male, remember Adam wasn't named yet. We haven't gotten to the name yet. So when he made all the like the fish of the sea, like you're going to have dominion over all these animals and the plants and you're going to tend to the field. When he was saying that, God made a promise to his creation, right? When he made that promise, he agreed to his promise. There was already an agreement that he made with himself 
that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. So regardless of whether at well male or Adam, and we know we're talking about Adam, regardless of whether he accepted it or not, there was already an agreement that I am making a promise and I agree to the promise. How does that, how, how does that apply to us? So when you make a promise, you've agreed to that promise, whether you say it in jest and maybe you shouldn't, if you don't mean it, then don't say it. Or whether you say it seriously, if you say to someone, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars before the person can answer, a covenant has been made and that covenant, which is your promise, right? You're making a promise. You're making a declaration. You're, you're saying, I'm going to do something. You have already agreed to what you said you're going to do. So that's where the buck stops right there. It doesn't even matter if the person says, I want it or not, because you said you were going to do it. You need to do it upon or not upon their acceptance. And that blew my, that like blessed me so much. So guys, and I know that I haven't started, you know, giving you the other stuff yet, but it blessed me because it was more like, wow, how more simple can it get? You make a promise. You as the individual that made the promise has already agreed to it. So, and we won't talk about breach yet, but so it's important. It's, it's imperative that you, the person, the promisor, the maker of the promise still follows through with their promise. God made a promise to his creation. His creation didn't even have, didn't say anything yet, but because he's so awesome, he still did what he said he was going to do, regardless of whether they agreed or didn't agree. He agreed to what he said. So that was the second thing that he revealed to me. So when a promise is made, a covenant is made, that covenant is really serious. And, and to be mindful, to approach it very simplistically, it doesn't need to be hard. It doesn't need to be complex. We are complex individuals for whatever reason that we are. We are just complex because of the world that we live in and because sometimes we're, we're so caught up with all of the other intricacies of what's going on. We're not paying attention to the design and the design was simple. Right? So I said a lot right there. So maybe you can just dissect it later. But in, in both of what God shared with me, um, it really truly blessed me and it blessed me to just to be reminded, keep it simple, keep it the way, keep it practical. Because thinking that theoretical, philosophical way of thinking and, and there's nothing wrong with it until it gets to the place where that's all it is. It's a bunch of theory and a bunch of philosophy. And if you can't do nothing with that theory and philosophy, then you might as well chalk it up and throw that crap in the garbage, incinerate that sucker and be, and be done. You know what I'm saying? Like get, out, get, get rid of it because it's not doing, it's taking up a lot of headspace. If you're not going to apply, if you're not going to live it, if you're not going to do it, then it's wasteful, it's useless, and there's no, part, there's no point in even, even speaking it out of your mouth. So seriously speaking, it's all about application. Knowledge is power, hands down. Knowledge is power. But application of that knowledge is powerful. I don't want to be, I don't want to stop at power. What are you going to do with the power? Okay, if the power is not going to be used, then you're powerless. And that's the last thing I want to be. <laughs> and that's the last thing I want you guys to be. So remember that knowledge is powerful. Powerful Knowledge is power, but application of that knowledge is powerful. And that's what you need. That's what you want. And you got to take this and you got to apply it, live it and walk it out. And one of the first things is covenant. Covenant is a big deal. Marriage covenants. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that a little later in time. But a covenant is so, so important. When you make a promise, that's all a covenant is. When you make a promise, you follow through with that promise. It may not happen overnight. You, it may take a month before the promise is completed, but at least you're working toward it. 
when you make a covenant, you create a basis of expectation in the person, in the person that's to receive the promise. Even if they say thank you, or even if they say I agree or not agree. When you make a covenant, when you make a promise, you agree to that promise as by the thought of the promise, even if you thinking of the covenant, you already agreed. So be mindful of what you say. Be mindful of what you think. If you're doing it for show, if you're doing it for people to see and hear you, you might want to want to scale back. Maybe you might scale back a little bit on that because it's not even important that you say things if you don't mean it. Right. So and I'll, I'll, I'll get off that boat and I'm going to get off my boat my wagon for a little bit so we can go through the rest of this um this teaching today but that is at the forefront that's what i want at the forefront of your minds and your brains that's where i want you to be remember what you say remember even if you don't speak it to the person that you are promising it to or promising it for even if you don't tell them and you don't communicate it to them you've already agreed to it like i gave you that example i made a I made a, a, a promise that I was going to bless somebody with money. I was going to bless her financially because of what she was doing. She was unaware of the amount. She was really unaware of what I was going to do. I made the promise out of my mouth to myself. I said it to myself in my mind before I even said it out of my mouth. I had to follow through on that promise. It may have not done anything for her, even though she didn't say thank you. It didn't even matter. What mattered was I followed through on a principle, a law and I'll say a law, you know, but a principle that God created from the beginning of time, walking it out, living it out. And what a freedom it was when I actually finally did what I said I was going to do, because it was bothering me at the time. It was, you know, it was kind of like a weight on my shoulders. And when I actually completed it, what a weight that lifted off of me. You got to walk this thing out. What a freedom, you know, so your, your word is your bond, right? When you speak something, the expectations that you're going to do it, that's integrity, that's how simple it is. Seriously, it's so simple. So last week we recap, right? From the very beginning, we'll build this foundation. You got rules and you have elements. Your rules are your eloquently put together bunch of words that come up with this very long paragraph of, of what uh, you know the, the law stated or a decree or whatever the case is. You have your rules that lead and that guide our footsteps, our behaviors, our everything, right? And those there are then, then there are also elements. Elements are the the practical, sim, the simplest view of that rule. The most essential parts of the rule are what you find are the elements. So that's the part that you know you you live we as people in in a in this world practically speaking. That's what we really live off of. We live off the elements because the rules are too long to even remember to think about. So you know you when you're you're building, you're building, okay, you're understanding that while there's rules that guide, there are principles that guide us, there are still essential parts of the rule that are, that are, that are really important that we really need to focus on. And, and that was the first, I think the first um, week that I spoke, we spoke about rules and elements. And then we talked about covenant rules and elements and what's a covenant, you know, what's the rule for covenant, but, and, and, and the full term definitions and then the one word definitions of covenant. Right. And we went through that. We went through it's a promise. It's a guarantee. You know, um, it's an agreement. It's a lot of different things that we live out on a daily basis. And that's the one word definition of covenant when you think of it. And but then because of the fact that a covenant still, you know, the long version of, of the the long version of covenant, you still find that you'll see promise over and over again, right? You'll see the word agreement. So pulling out of the definition of, or the the definition or rule of a covenant, you find that the essential parts is that a covenant is a promise. A covenant is an agreement. Um, 
And so we talked about that. We talked about, um, and the scripture references to that were Genesis 1, 26 through 27 and verse 31, which the covenant, um, the promises and, and the approval of the covenant that God made with himself, which was, I think, so awesome that he made a covenant with himself. He can, you know, he consulted God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, the triune God was having a conversation within himself about what he planned to do with creation and what he wanted. And he made a promise and he kept that promise. So he started out in 20, verse 26, went down to verse 27. And, and though we skipped over 28 through 30, he approved, he, you know, he approved what he said and what he did, right? He accepted it. It was good. So that was, that was the part that we talked about, I think last week or the week before, um, and then last time that I was on here, we talked about a few new, new concepts, disjunctive and conjunctive. What are those? What's disjunctive elements and what are dis- conjunctive elements, right? And disjunctive is lacking connection. So if you have, and this really will play out when we get to the federal laws, hopefully next week, mm, we'll start talking, we'll start comparing and, and contrasting, comparing and contrasting covenant from contract, just the beginning, just the basic parts of it next week. That's my goal. But, um, so we talked about disjunctive and that's lacking connection. So when you're having, when you're speaking of disjunctive elements, those are elements that don't have to be met with and they don't have to connect, so to speak. If you have one of the two elements or one of the four elements, then whatever that element or whatever that rule is, more so this works out for federal and state laws, but whatever that is, then you've met your burden for that particular rule or element, right? So if a contract, let's just say, and I'm just trying to give you an example of what disjunctive would be, the 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 elements that you need that need to be met for an actual contract. Now we're talking U.S. laws. You have to have an offer. You have to have acceptance, and you have to have consideration. Those three have to be met. Well, if it was a disjunctive rule or disjunctive element, you could just have the offer, not have the acceptance or the consideration, and it's it is an enforceable contract. That's what disjunctive would be. It's met by the word or. So offer or acceptance or consideration. That would be disjunctive. Conjunctive, there has to be a connection. You have to have all of your elements or factors in order for that to be an enforceable rule or enforceable contract or whatever. So if now we change it, instead of it being or, we say you have to have an offer and you have to have acceptance and you have to have consideration. If you don't have all three, then you have an unenforceable contract. So that's how the word disjunctive and conjunctive really works. It doesn't really work when we're speaking of God's laws because God's laws didn't require that. And I'm so thankful that it did not require that. And I'm thankful that I can live based based on the word of God when I do make decisions, when I do do things. I don't have to I don't have to make things so hard. And so that's the important part. That's the progression of what the law has done and we'll, like I said, we'll talk about that hopefully next week. We also went through express and implied, right? So we talked about what's the definition, one term and full term definition of an ex- of something that's expressed. You know, we know that something that's expressed is when you have something that's word or or declared or you say something out your mouth. That's an express anything. It doesn't have to just be a covenant, but express anything means that you're you're speaking it, you're writing it. It's conspicuous because you're able, someone can hear it or see it, right? But then you have imply, which is another way to either form something or or agree to something it's conduct it's suggestions it's not so much explicitly stating something it's you know body language it's insinuating 
something. So when you have something that's implied, it's the opposite of express. It's like, I'm going to imply this by my conduct. I'm going to, I'm sorry, agree to something by my conduct, by my actions. I'm going to say something by my actions, not so much out of my mouth. And then that brought us to our, and think that, where were we on that one? As far as the scripture reference, Genesis 1, 28 through 30, is where we have, you know, God speaking what his promises were to his creation that he created. Um, and so you can go through that Genesis 1, 28 through 30 to kind of map that and kind of apply those um, express and then, you know, um, um, promises that he made at that time. And then so that leads us into the new concept that I wanted to talk about last week, which was conditions. You know, so if you could think of in conditions, though the full term definition is great, but just one term, I just want to make it one term this time. When you think of the word conditions, what do you think of? And I'll just give you a few minutes to kind of even write down four or five different words that bring you to what are conditions. And then I'll say what um, I've got for that. And I'll say what the full definition is, which is actually a short one this time. Okay, so hopefully you were able to jot down just a few words that you think of when you think of the word condition. But um, condition is a rule. It's it's uh, something that governs, right? It, there's It's a prerequisite. It's a guide. Um, pretty much the, the words that I think of limitations, conditions. The full term definition or the full definition of, co- of conditions is a restricting, limiting, or modifying circumstance. So when you think of the word condition and you think of a promise, if when a promise is being made, and, and I do find that as we are in God's law and biblically, your conditions or the conditions are stated when the promise is being made. So the conditions typically aren't stated after the promise is made. Um if they are, they're probably said, the promises are set again on the covenant is made again. But then, you know, if a condition is going to be stated, it's going to be stated during that moment in that time frame of you saying, I'm going to do this, but here comes the, now the, after the, but here comes your condition. Here comes the limitation. Here comes the restriction. Here comes the modifying modification of that promise, right? So whenever you're looking for conditions, you look for it when the covenant is made or during or in the midst of the promise itself. Um, not when, let's say, not when you break a promise where well, you can't break a promise if a condition wasn't made previously right, or initially. So that's the concept that I wanted to actually um, add last time, but I'm adding it this time. Just really short, just we look for conditions during the inception of the promise. Um, and another thing that I wanted to say to you is your source of law is extremely important. Like that is it just, it's very important to know your source of law. And you'll see this when we go through the federal and state portions, but your binding law goes back to that source. So when we're speaking now, we're speaking in God's law, you know, that's where I am right now, but our source of law is the Bible. The Bible is your source. So anything that we are discussing when we're discussing God's law, we have to look to the Bible to be able to say, well, what does, what is that? What does that mean? How does that play out? We don't look to it really in a, 
in Webster's Dictionary. We don't really look for the answers in any other source. You got to go to the Bible for it because that's where you're binding laws, you're binding rules. That's where your explanation of those terms and words are going to be found. It's going to be found in the Bible. You know, when you go, when we speak, um, when we're when we're talking about the federal laws, you'll find that your source of law will change across the board. You know, for the Constitution, I'm sorry, for constitutional law, you're looking at the Constitution as your as your source of law. When you're talking about contracts, you if, whether you're talking about common law contracts, you're looking at the common law. If you're talking about the sale of goods, well, now your source of law changes to Article Two, right? the Uniform Commercial Code. That's a completely different source of law. So it's important, muy importante to understand your source of law in this section of the law is the Bible. So I had to, I wanted to make sure that you guys know that because that's, that's too, too, too important. All right. Whew. So now that brings me down to pre-Edenic covenant. So we've gone through the part where God has created male and female. He spoke to them what he wanted to tell them about what he was going to do with them and, you know, giving them dominion over all of this, be fruitful and multiply. And um, we're inching towards the actual first major covenant, which is Edenic covenant. But if you go down to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 through 10, um, the first part of 10, and I'm going to read it. Uh, it says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life. And man became a living being. I'm going to read that again. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed man. I'm going to stop right there. So last time we read, we read in 20, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, was it 26? No, 27. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. He fulfilled his, his promise. He created him. Well, now in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, he formed man. And I thought that was so... It, at first, when I first read it, it was so confusing to me, right? Um, so confusing. And I was like, okay, well, I thought you already created man. This is my first... You know, first time around months, months ago, I was so confused by that. Excuse me. And so the more I spend time, the more and God reveals things. It's like, so you created male and females in the spirit. And then you formed man later, though you spoke to this. The your you, you create us in your image and you create us spiritually. So we had spirit in Genesis chapter 127. Now you have soul and body in two verse in chapter two verse seven so formed man now i'm going to form you spirit soul and body god is so amazing three right just like god the father son and holy spirit you've got spirit soul and body and so he formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostrils the spirit of life and man became a living being and that's where you have your body um the soul part was when he breathed life into him and then the the body was, of course, like I said, the he um, became a living being with dust to the ground. So, so we've got that now, right? Okay. And when he spoke to him, and so that was chapter seven, that was verse seven. And so I'm, I'm going to continue. It says, and the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. 
And there he put the man whom he had formed. Man still didn't have a name. And out of the ground, verse 9, out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight or to be desired. Good for food, the tree of life, also in the center of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of evil and blessing and calamity. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. So I definitely will read out of the King James just in case anybody has that version. But And so trees were now sprouting and um, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge were both there. Okay. And so verse 10, it says, And now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it divided and be- and became four, you know, heads or four river heads. I'll stop right there. So, Everything he spoke, he being God, spoke in verses, chapter 1, verse 26, right? 26. He created the man in the image in 27, so it's good 27. Um, 28, I'm going to bless and multiply. You're going to have dominion over these fish of the sea, the birds of the air. He spoke all of that, 28, 29, and 30. Here in chapter 2, now he's actually putting it all putting it all out. Now, practically, now application happens. I spoke it. Now I'm going to apply it. Now here comes this garden called Eden. And in Eden, I'm going to have all this stuff. Because remember, I said to you that you're going to do all this stuff in this beautiful garden. In verse, in chapter one, was not created. It wasn't like created, formed yet, right? But then he does. And so he's putting everything into practice, putting everything into play. I think I love this part. So all of that's happening now male still not adam but now male is is seeing what he you know got to hear expressly from god the father and so i'm going to read this in the king james version just for those who have it and it says okay so i'm in chapter 2 verse 7 says and the lord god formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And so that was up to 10. I just stopped right at 10. Pre-Edenic covenant. I say pre-Edenic because... um and I guess it's really all part of Edenic because the Edenic covenant is the agreement between God and man. That's one of the first major covenants, the agreement between God and man. So now we saw everything that he spoke and now we're seeing everything that he's applying and forming and putting it all together. Okay, guys. So, 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 so awesome. So then when you go down to verse 15, still chapter two, verse 15 through 19, and I'll still stay in the, in the King James version, it says... And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Hold on. It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him in and help me for him. And I, okay, so let me stop right there. So let me stop. Let me go back up to 17. But of the tree of knowledge and good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So in 15 through 19, 
God's telling him, all right, here you are in the garden. It's the thing that I promised you in, in chapter one, here you are in the garden. Everything that I said that you have dominion over, that you have the food to eat, that the plants have food. Every, everybody has what they need. Here it is in 15 through 19. So he's walk. It's all happening like as he spoke it. And, he, you know, he commanded um, 16 verse 16 said, and the Lord com- the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou may freely eat just like you promised. The difference, and I, I I hope that you guys can see that there's a difference in chapter two, verse chapter one, where he said, of every tree of the garden that thou mayest free thou mayest freely eat. I love the King James Version. I feel very Shakespearean. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in that day thou shalt that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Can you think, can you go back and see what was the difference between what God spoke in chapter one? When he was saying, well, he was defining every every promise that he was making to them. What was different between chapter one and chapter two? Right here in verse um, 17. There is a difference. And hopefully you've already picked it up like automatic. But if you haven't, the difference is in chapter one, there were no conditions. In chapter two, verse 17, here comes your condition. The condition is... Of So let me go back to 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. This is a promise that he's giving. He's making to the man promise. This is my covenant to you. Condition. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. There goes your condition, right? So that's the limitation, that's the modifying circumstance, that's the prerequisite, that's the rule, that's the restricting or limiting circumstance. That is it, right there, done. And that's so simple. So you can eat everything. In chapter one, he did not have that condition there. And not that, not that he didn't intend to have that condition, but it wasn't stated, it wasn't expressly stated, right? Okay, no problem. So now I'm giving you the promise, you have been formed, and I'm... I'm saying to you i'm expressly i'm expressly stating to you it's very explicit eat of what you want like i said earlier but here i'm going to add a condition just don't eat from that tree that's it but if you do then there's going to be some consequences to pay and we're not going to talk about the breaching of the covenant not today but we'll talk about that really we will talk definitely talk about that on next podcast all right so He's done with that. Then he says, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam. Now he has his name, Adam, to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So in 19, this is now all the Edenic covenant, the Edenic covenant, this the agreement that he made with Adam. Finally, Adam gets his name in verse 19. And he has the right to name every creature that God had formed. The beast of the field, all of them, still same thing. Same thing in Genesis 1. All of that was spoken about, right? But now God forms it. So he's doing everything that he promised. He's, he's putting everything that there that he said he was going to do. And Adam now has that. In 18, he says, I'm going to, it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give you a help me. All right. Adam says nothing. Did Adam say, oh, thanks, God. You know what? I, yes, I agree to everything. He, he didn't say that. But because God made a promise, he agreed to his own promise. That's all that was necessary. I made a promise. I'm going to fulfill it. Done. Okay, so 
Verse 20, Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help me for him. Verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Verse 22, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto Adam, unto the man, sorry. Verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman or woman because she was taken out of man. All right, that was verse 23. I'm gonna stop right there. So Adam never said, God, I agree, I accept your promises. Never did he say that. But if you look in verse 20, verse 20 shows that Adam impliedly agreed because he gave names to all the cattle. From 19, let's go back to 19. What did God say? Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and he brought them unto Adam. He brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. So here, that was 19. So in 20, Adam gave them names. Isn't that sweet? Adam gave them names. So the implied agreement or acceptance was he never said, God, I accept your, your promise. Okay, fine, I will do it. But the conduct of Adam, Adam's conduct showed that he did agree. So at the end of the day, though, his conduct, he didn't need to agree whether, you know, whatever the case is, the promise was still the promise and the covenant was still made, bottom line. But it's funny how Adam, instead of saying anything, he just did what God said he could do and he did it. And that, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Um, so that's just showing you, I just wanted to make sure that that was, I put that out there to show you. It was awesome that he did. He did exactly what God said he could do and everything was going well. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep now to fall on Adam. And because, you know, Eve wasn't Eve yet, but she was a woman, Adam called her woman. <laughs> so there is another implied acceptance of God's promises that he made. And God said what he was going to do and he did it all in just the next chapter. Though, I don't know, you know, biblically speaking, how long this was, you know, they don't give us that. But from chapter one to chapter two, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And that that's just the amazing part. So we stop at verse 23 and, and that being the Edenic covenant there, you know, just to show that God made a promise and he kept it. And, and Adam impliedly accepted his his promise. Now we have everything that he spoke and, and they have Eden is now created. Everything that God spoke of in chapter one, when he did not have Eden as a name, he just said that's what he was going to give and he did it. And then he gave it a name and all these things started being named. Much in our lives, that's the same thing that happens. So law and legally speaking, or let's just say from the law standpoint, covenant, promise, right? Very simple. Nothing too hard to, to, for that. It's just, there are mysteries of God that sometimes you're like, wow, like the creation and the formation. It was like, well, wait a minute. I thought you already formed it. Very mysterious, but you got to spend time and just really see what it's for. But that's it. It's still very black and white. There's nothing gray about the fact that he made a promise and he kept it. Nothing gray about that. Right? Black and white, right? Nothing gray about the fact that, okay, I'm going to, these trees are going to come up in here. I've added a condition, but everything that I said still applies, and he's walking and Adam's walking it out. He didn't sit there and look like a deer in headlights. He's walking it out. He's naming things. He's living, living the life, living his best life. It's awesome. Now he's got a woman there eating, eating and got animals all around them in a beautiful garden. 
and there we're going to stop. There's where we're going to stop. So um, that was a lot. I still think that was a lot. That's just a lot of wonderful stuff to go through and, and, and lots of stuff that you can hopefully um, dig into a little deeper. I um, I do look forward to coming back. Um, today is Saturday, um, this upcoming week. I do look forward to coming back and talking about the breach of a covenant, breaking breaking the promise and what happens there. Um, we kind of went through a little bit of that just by what God said, you can eat of this, but you can't eat of that part of the condition. And then he gave what the consequence of not abiding by the condition. So we'll come back with the breach of the covenant and hopefully I can get into federal law next week and we can start doing that mirror image at comparing comparing how a covenant turned into a contract how our laws you know based it based contract off of covenant and you'll see that um so yes please go through new concept going through just you know genesis chapter 1 26 all the way down to genesis chapter 2 you know um 23 or going through all of it i mean i still you know Dig in and just kind of see like the beauty and how things were created then and how they, though it wasn't given a name, you know, everything doesn't have to be given a name. It doesn't have to be so, you know, um, quaffed. And so I always like to use the word eloquent, but so eloquently done. It's just, it's, it is what it is. It's like, it's like spades. I don't know if you guys play spades or have played spades, but you know, when you call a spade a spade, it's a spade. I, bottom line, there's no if, ands, or but about it. A spade is very distinct from the other characters on the cards, hearts and diamonds and, and clubs. A spade is a spade. It's top notch, you know? And so when you call a promise a promise, it's a promise. So this week, guys, you know, when you call, I'm sorry, when you call a promise, it's a promise. You don't have to dance around it and make excuses. No, when you say something, you say it and you do it. Bottom line. So, before I end, I want to challenge you this week. I want to challenge you with um, your covenants that you're making, your promises that you're making on a daily basis to friends, to family, to strangers. I want you to pay attention to those covenants that you make in jest, those covenants that you make just because it sounds good. And really think about before you actually open your mouth or your mind to say this is what you're going to do, think about it first. I'm not saying don't. What I'm saying is be mindful and be mindful based just coming back to our source of law in this in this area. What is a covenant? It's a promise. It's a guarantee. So before you decide that you are going to make a promise to someone. Think about it. And when you make it, remember that you have you have to complete that. You have to fulfill your promise. Right. So I challenge you this week to pay close attention Sorry, guys. Um, I challenge you and I challenge you to think about your covenants. Think about your promises. Remember what your, you know, remember those one term definitions, just real life, practical, um, you know, definitions of a covenant. It's a promise. It's a guarantee. You know those things. Right. So before you even make a, a promise, before you um, say something that you're going to do, I challenge you to think about it. Not that I don't want you to make them and not that you shouldn't. I mean, you should, you know, do say anything that you you will, but think about it from the aspect of when God said something, he did it and he did make us in his image. He made us in his likeness. So to walk out what he did, to walk out how he operates and how he does and how he acts, that's super important, right? Also think about, um, I also challenge you to, to pay close attention to when people are talking to you and when they're making promises, maybe not to you, but to other things and to whatever, and just 
I just challenge you to, to notice that and to think about it and to say, wow, are you really going to do this? Are you really going to be able to provide that? Because if you're not, don't create that basis of expectation because that's what it does. A promise creates a basis of expectation, right? So think about that. I do. I just, I put that out there because I want, I'm hoping that this will, not only are we going to read about it and we're going to learn about how covenants started and, and, and what does it mean based on when, when God says something, you know what I'm saying? Like, what did it mean then? It meant that he was, his word is his bond and he, he fulfills his words. So again, if we're made in his likeness and in, in his image, then we should be doing the same exact thing. And if in fact you do make a covenant or promise this week, and in fact you actually fulfill it because it's easy to fulfill, I would love for you to think about, and I would love to to see, and you don't have to share this with me or anything, but for yourself, did something change in you? Did something, did you feel any different? Did you, you know, did you think differently? Did it Did something in you change or something in you feel different when you actually did what you said you were going to do? For some of you that are listening to this, you probably make covenants all the time and fulfill those covenants. And and good for you. More um, high five to you, those of you that you know, have that integrity and you actually do fulfill your promises. Some of us, like myself, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not all the way there. Like I'm probably one of the worst communicators in the world. I will tell someone I'm going to call them and I have every good intention to do it. But because I live such, because I live in the busy world that I live in, I will find myself saying, oh, you know what? Okay, I'm going to call them tomorrow. I promise. And I never do. So that's, you know, that's something I'm, and I'm being transparent right now. I am one of the worst people that that does that. And, and I have watched myself over time, even over the last few months or a couple of months, I'm not say few, a couple of months to say, you know what? I will, I try not to say I'm going to call people back because I know that I have a lot of people to call back or re- return their, you know, text message or whatever. I try to find a way to say, you know what? I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best to, speak to reach back to you. Um, and then there's a lot of times I make myself communicate. I will sit down and say, no, I will not be busy right now. I will communicate with this person because that's what I said I was going to do. And there's something that's just something on the inside of me. is just like, man, this is, whew, it's, it just, I can't explain and describe to you with words what I'm trying to say, but there's something on the inside that's different about me really being intentional and about doing that because my father does it, right? Because God does it because when he says something and when he said something, he did it. And if, again, if I'm made in his likeness and his image, why am I not walking the way that he walked? Why am I not doing the things that he did? But I'm expecting, I'm expecting results um, that would only favor me and bless me, but I'm not willing to do the things that, He does and he did, right? And he still does today. So I challenge you in that area. I do. I challenge you to think about this covenants you're making. Think about the covenants that are being made to you. And if in fact you are doing it, awesome. Keep doing it. Um, And if you're just starting out and you're just whatever, be intentional. Be intentional about what you say you're going to do and do it. Don't think twice about it. Just do it. Do it and make sure you do it the way that you said that you are. Because it it does something to to the receiver, that builds that integrity, right? And your word is your bond. So ciao for now. Have an awesome week. I pray and wish you guys all the very best. And I look forward to getting back on here next week with our next um, session on Mission Legal Law in a Nutshell, God's Law, Federal Law, State Law. Adios.